Okay, uh, we are at the very bottom of Davchet Amad Aleph. I think we actually turned over the page yesterday, but just to go back, we're comparing uh, we're comparing essentially rain and uh, childbirth or different types of things so one of the things Rish Lakish says in the Kabbara is that it says the word Atsira stopping with regards to rain it also says Atsira when it comes to a woman to turn the page it says that Rosh has used the language of stopping with a woman. It says in the context, I think this is when you go to Avimelech, it says, that God stopped up all the wombs, right, W-O-M-B-S, of the women. So you see that Atzar is like when the woman can't give, have, uh, have children, that's called Atzira. It also uses the same language of stopping when it comes to rain. As you see in this Kriyashma, God will stop up the heavens. Furthermore, He uses the language of birth, both with women and with rains. It's kind of funny that you think you need to have a Pasuk to prove that it will use the language of birth for a woman, but okay, nonetheless, that's what we're doing. That she, gave, she became pregnant and she gave birth to a child. I think that's in the Haftar on the Tani Tzibor that we read on, uh, on Sunday. They birth and grow, right? So also, the, the, the ground also sort of gives birth, so to speak, to, veg- to vegetation and plants. Uh, okay, so that's another language similarity. It's like pakad, to remember to a point. But remember, usually remember for a particular purpose. That we read in Rosh Hashanah. Hashem remembered Sarah, meaning he recalled the promise they made to her, and, he, and then he led to, at least the birth of Yitzchak. But now Mar Pikidam Bikashamim, and that says the same thing by Moraine's Dithib, Pakadat Haaretz Vatishokekeha, Rabat Teashrena, Peleg Elokim Malay Mayim. Hashem remembers the land. And it, uh, he gives it uh, like to hashkot, like to give water. He allows it to rain. Rabat Ashrena, he enriches the land greatly. Peleg Elokim, Rashi says Peleg Elokim is a pool, the pool of Hashem. Malay mine which is full of water. Okay, so that's another passage. So we see here all these comparisons between rain and childbirth. The issue of you know, uh, so if you think about the different things, when it doesn't happen, it's really terrible. Uh, there's pain involved in the ser- searching in the, in, the, in the birth of a child. There's pain in terms of like the suffering that led sometimes to the uh, bringing of rain. And you know, so there's a lot of similarities there. So the Gemara that goes on to talk about this pasuk Pelagel Elokim, my Pelagel Elokim Malayim. What does it mean when it says the pool of Hashem that is full of water? So Tana, so taught in a bright a kamin kuba yesh barakia. There's like a kuba. So uh, the word kuba is like the word in English cube, right? Kuba is cube. That's also like you have like the word for cube in Hebrew is a kubia. So it's like a kuba. Rashi says it's a tent or a chamber. It means in the heavens. Shemimena gishamim yotzim. So if you imagine, sort of, there's like this, uh, like a cube. I don't know, like. A, with water in it, somewhere up above the clouds, somewhere, this is like how they're imagining it, right? And uh, I guess uh, at certain times, uh, water would be released from that uh, from that chamber. So, okay, that's uh, that's the pelagelukimus malimayim. That's the pool of Hashem. Where is the pool of Hashem? Well, it's not down here. It's all the way up there. Okay. 
Uh, is that meant to be taken absolutely literally or is it figurative? I guess it could go either way. Like maybe their understanding was a little less sophisticated and they really thought there was like chambers. Presumably Thomas Chazal, they didn't, know, they didn't think that much, but uh, certainly the image is, is, uh, is valuable. So Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani says, what's the, what is the positive in the Eov Mimin that says, Im L'Shevet? L'Shevet, uh, a Shevet, we, we know the word Shevet can mean like a tribe, but really it means like a rod. And the idea here, uh, Rashi says, it's the Hashem makes a Gzeira to have like very harsh rain. So L'Shevet is like when he's striking us, sometimes Hashem uses rain as a way of striking us as a form of punishment. Right? It's very difficult. So Im L'Shevet, Im L'Arzo, if for it's the land, so sometimes the rain. Sometimes the, so sometimes the point is the rain is for punishment. Sometimes it's for the land. Im lachesed. Sometimes it's for mercy. Hashem uh, has rain fall down in a very gentle way. That's going to help us. Yamsi ehu. One second, sorry. Yamsi uh, ehu. So he will create it. Right. Lahamsi something is to make something come into being. So the Gemara and analyzes im lachesed. So. The question is, how will, how will Hashem sort of divert, uh, if it's going to be a punishing rain, and He doesn't want to actually punish us, so what can He do? So, So God can let the very harsh rains fall in a way that still doesn't harm us, if He has a fall in the mountains and the hills. Okay, and then it's not where people have their fields. Im and if it's for chesed, uh, that he wants to create it, so he'll put it on the land, meaning in the fields and in the vineyards. Im l'shevet, again, again, uh, what's the situation where it can be earlier, right, that the trees can handle it more. Im l'artso l'zra'im. So the l'artso means for the land, means for the plants on the ground, they need a more gentle rain. Im l'chesed yamtsi'ehu, so he can create it for chesed, barot shichin u'me'arot. Okay, uh, they fills out, so he can uh, go, they can have the rains fill in the pits and the cisterns and the caves and all those places that end up being supplies for springs and things like that. Okay. Then the Gemara says as follows. In the time of Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmeni, right, he's the one who just told us the interpretation of this Pasuk, so then they're going to tell us a little bit about his experience with rain. Havakafna umotna. There were two issues they were dealing with. One was kafna, which is famine, and the motna, like the word mavet, like death, is plague. Okay. Amri, they said, Heichi na'avid. They said, what people said, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to act? Nibai atarte lo efshar. To ask for mercy on both things, that's not possible. Now, we have to see why that's not possible, okay? But that's the assumption that you can't ask rachamim for the two separate issues of the famine and the plague. Elo libai amotna. Okay, so rather what we should do is we'll ask for mercy for the plague. The kafta nisbol, and we'll suffer through, right? We'll be able to suffer through the famine. So Amalahu Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Shmuel stepped up and says, "Well, guys, I'm not sure that's a good move." Nibai rachame akafna. Let's ask for mercy about famine. rachmana sova Because when God gives or provides sova, like uh, enough food, that's so we can live. God, right, he opens his hand and provides uh, life for all living things. So, uh, 
what he's essentially saying is we can kill two birds with one stone. If, we, if you only ask to stop the plague, there's no guarantee, no more still going to have the famine, we're all gonna, we might die anyways. If we ask for the famine to stop, well, Hashem's not going to stop a famine and then kill us all with a plague. That seems silly. The whole point of stopping the famine and giving us food is so we can live. This reminds me, so that I'm sure you guys have heard, that this uh, reminds me of like, the, the question a guy comes to like, his rub. He says, I only have like, 20 minutes a day to learn. What should I learn? So the rub says, you should learn... Musser, why should you learn Musser? Because if you learn Musser every 20 minutes, you realize you have more than 20, days of, 20 minutes a day to learn. Right? So the same thing here. It's like, if you have to ask for one, so ask for this one, because this one's going to get you to the other one too. Okay. So the commandment says, But where do we know that you can't dive in for two different issues at one time? It's like, why can't I dive in for two things? The commandment says, in Ezra, We will fast and ask from God for this. For this, I think the context there is they're coming, they're making Aliyah. Right? This is Ezra's time, they're coming up, and they're, they want to be asking, they, want to, they didn't want to ask the Babylonians for protection, so they want to ask for protection from Hashem when they go back up to Eretz Yisrael. It says, Alzot, for this we're going to ask. Michlal, this implies, to Ika Achrite, that there is something else, but they're not going to ask for that, they're only going to ask for this one thing. The Marava Amri, that was what they said in Babylon, but in Eretz Yisrael they said in the West, in Eretz Yisrael they said, Mishmed Rabbi Chagai, and then Rabbi Chagai, Mehach, this passage from Daniel, Verachamin Lemibar Mikandamela, Shemaya, we're going to ask uh, for Rachamin, for mercy from God in heaven, Al Raza Dana, on this secret, okay, on this secret. The word Dana means this. Again, Michlal Tiika Achriti, it implies that there is another thing to ask for. I think the context there again is that. Nebuchadnezzar um, has like these dreams and he's like challenging people to interpret the dreams if you don't challenge it he'll punish you if you don't interpret it properly they'll punish you so that's what they're asking for our help to be able to do that but again the point is Al-Raza Dana this secret implying there's something else but we're not going to ask for it Daniel yeah okay Rabbi goes on to say, "Bimei Rabbi Zeir, Gazer Gezeira." In the tale of Rabbi Gezeira, there were Gezeirot imposed by the authorities, by the uh, non-Jewish authorities. The Gazur de Lo Lameta Betanita. And one of the Gezeirot they had was not to sit in Tanit, not to have uh, fast days. Presumably, the idea would be that they were nervous. The authorities were nervous, and the Jews would all get together and gather like that. They should have get maybe they're worried that we're not, like plotting against them. Right? This is sort of the idea. Right? One of the explanations for why we don't say. You know, chauffeur blowing in the morning. We only have it, you know, in Musaf. Is that they, there's a story that they had? The Gemara tells a story that they had this uh, one time. There was a chauffeur blowing in the morning, and the authorities thought their Jews were like calling each other to war to rebel because that's because the chauffeur is like a sound of war. And they all like came into the shul and they slaughtered everybody. So uh, I guess similarly, they were worried, like you see that they're always on guard, like looking around, and the Jews like you know gathering together. So when we gather for Tanit, maybe that was the same concern. So what are they supposed to do? They can't have fast days, so what are we supposed to do? So Amr Lahu Rabbi Ilavan, let's accept the fast day upon ourselves, and we'll declare a fast, but but we won't we won't observe the fast now. That would involve getting together in shul and create a Torah and all these different things, all these different tefillah. But what we'll do is we'll wait it out, we'll declare the fast day, and then when the gzeira is nullified, then we'll have the fast. So Amrile, they said to him, Minalacha, from where do you know that this is an effective method? Like why would that be valuable to declare a fast and then not to fast? That seems like a kind of a silly uh, a silly thing to do. Amalahu Dihdiv, he says, because the Pasuk says, Bayomer Eli Al Tira Daniel, Kimin Hayom Harishon Ashnatata Tlibhala Hadinu Litanodifne Alokaha, Nishma Udvarecha. Because the Pasuk says, uh, he said to me, uh, don't worry, Daniel. But he said to Daniel, from the first day when you put your heart, you know, you sort of you intended 
to uh, understand and to fast, bless you, before Hashem, your words were heard. So you see here that it wasn't from the moment you started to fast, it's from the day you decided to fast. You see that even the decision alone is valuable. This, by the way, is a nice idea in general, right? That when you commit yourself to doing something positive, that already has a positive effect. You know, Hashem views that positively. And by the way, that also works psychologically, right? When you make a decision to actually do something, you set yourself a goal, even if you haven't been successful on the goal yet, there's already something's happened, you know, uh, internally. You're starting to move yourself forward in that way. So even just thinking about, you know, making changes and making positive uh, steps in your life is an effective uh, step or tool in terms of uh, tshuva and self-improvement. Rabbi Yitzchak says a surprising thing. He says, even if you have years, like the years of Eliyahu and Navi, there's a lot of famine in times of Eliyahu and Navi, but even if it's years like that, when it rains on Erev Shabbat, that's a Siman Klala. That's a sign of curse. Okay? Uh, Rashi says, why is it not a curse? It's about halfway up the page. Rashi says, Shabbat. Because people have to go to the market and the shuk to go buy, you know, their, uh, their stuff for Shabbos. And uh, walking around in the rain like that is not very pleasant at all. So even when we really need the rain, sometimes the rain falls in the time that's still inconvenient. That's a, it's a similar to what Rabbi Barshela says, that the day of uh, rain is as difficult as a Yom Hadin, as a day of judgment. Um, I think Rashi says also Yom Hadin, I mean also the, the days they go to... Uh, to the uh, Beitian, like Mondays and Thursdays. Um, okay? I think he means, so like, uh, anyway, yeah. Okay, Amar Amemar. Ilo ditzarech lebraita ba'inan rachame umevatlinan lei. One second. One second. Yeah. I think it means here is he's saying, if it's not for the fact that you need uh, the... Uh, like the health, we would ask for a meaning if we didn't need we didn't need the rain, we would actually daven, bain and we would ask for mercy and nullify it. I mean, we'd, I mean it's like there's like it's two it's two sides to this, right? On the one hand, there's times where you really need the rain. On the other hand, the timing of the rain could be really inconvenient. So you think he's saying what Rabbi like saying is, look, I'm talking about excuse me, what Maymar is saying is if we didn't really need the rain, then we'd actually even dive in to stop the rain. But we can just stop the rain, like it's like famine. We need to have the rain, but that's how annoying it is, or that's how bad it is in those situations. Okay, Amr Rabbi Yitzchak, Shemesh Bishabbat Stakalanim. On the other hand, a sunny Shabbat is like a is like a stuck, it's like a wonderful thing for the poor people. Shnem Marja says, Vizarchalahem, your A Shemi, Shemesh Staka Umarpe. That when the sun shines on those who fear me, um, it is a sun of tzedakah, like a, right, of like a benefit, you know, for it, and, it, and it's, it's healing. You know, the aniim, Rashi explains the aniim. You know, it's the only day of rest that they like, they, they run around all week trying to scrounge for food. Finally, on Shabbos, they can rest a little bit. So, a nice, clear, sunny day is wonderful for them. Again, Rabbi Yisrael goes on to say, Gadol Yom Hageshamim. Uh, days of rain are so great that even when you have uh, money in your pocket that also was blessed when it rains meaning that it's not just the rain only affecting agriculture but even the rain, the rain also then t- tends to affect other aspects of the market of the financial markets right, to give, like, to give uh, rain on your land at its proper time 
and to bless all of your handiwork, all the actions that you take. Meaning, so when already the, the agricultural world starts, you know, functioning more smoothly, that has an effect on everything else as well, not just uh, on the farms. This is interesting. He says that bracha can only be found in something that's hidden from the eye. Okay? That Hashem should command on you the bracha. Literally, asamecha means in your storehouses. That's in, uh, in Parsha Kitavo. But we're taking the word asamecha and saying it's like the word samui mina ayin, hidden from, uh, from the eye. Meaning that if you really want bracha, we have to make a football. So if you want to benefit, it's going to really be found in places where it's like hidden. Like there's hidden things that maybe it's not so obvious that Hashem is working. That's exactly where you're going to find Hashem working His magic, so to speak. You can't really see it, but that's what it is. Similar sentiment. Right? That the bracha is found in a place where the eye can't uh, rule over it. Same exact drasha, same idea. Okay? Um, Rashi says, for example, uh, oh, we'll see that in a second. Okay. Tana Rabbana, Hanichnas Lamod et Garno. If somebody goes in to measure his Goren, his uh, threshing floor, so you want to measure like how much grain you have. Omer, he should say, Yihirasom Milfanecha, Hashem Elokeinu, so it should be God's will. Shetishlach Bracha Bemaaseyadeinu. That he should give a bracha on our handiwork, okay? When he starts to measure, that's when he goes in to measure. When he started to measure already, blessed is he who gives a bracha to this, um, a kri is like a mound, like a, like a pile of grain. But if you already measured, and then afterwards you want to give a bracha, that is a tefillah in vain. Because you can't find bracha and something that's already weighed or something that's measured or something that's counted rather than the eye. I mean, if you've already done the measurement, you say, okay, I have exactly like this many pounds or this, you know, this many square you know, cubic feet of grain, whatever it might be. So once you do that, you ask Hashem for bracha, it's too late. Because Hashem can't change that now. Like now you know exactly how much you have. And stop going when you don't know how much you have. So then uh, you can ask Hashem for help. So sometimes, sometimes people take this in a way, and again, this is sort of the source for this, that like people will say, like, I'm not going sort of, like, to sort of uh, avoid like, reality. <laughs> like, I'm not going to check my bank account. Because if I don't check my bank account, I'm not going to know how much there is. So that's how Hashem can work His miracles, and I can always have enough money for the, you know, my budgeting. But if I'm checking the bank account every five minutes, and know exactly how many dollars, how many shekels I have in my bank account, well, Hashem can't do any miracles. All right. <laughs> you also have to be realistic. Like, I don't think you're getting more shekels in your bank account, you know, just by like being by ignoring it. But I think the idea here is, I think the idea we can, at least I would take away from here, this idea is that we can find. Like, un, I think the idea is, how do we perceive Hashem in the world? Don't be looking around for outright miracles that Hashem's going to like change the reality that you see right in front of you. But rather recognize that the way Hashem changes our reality is a very subtle ways that we can't see, and that's what we should be able to appreciate. Right, that's what we're asking Hashem for bracha. We're not asking for like you know, you know, bombastic you know big things. We're asking for these subtleties that you know slowly, slowly can make really big differences in our lives. And that's what Hashem is. Hashem does that. Hashem can, you know, can control things around us that allows us to 
uh, to function better or for things to go better for us, but not in a way that's like, so miraculous, right? You can find natural explanations for a lot of things in our lives, but at the same time, we can have an appreciation that that is Hashem working again in this uh, manner that is Samui Min Ha'ayin. Okay, uh, a few more lines here. Kibbutz Gayasot Tzedaka Parnas Siman. Okay, so these four words are going to be Siman for the next few discussion topics. The first one is Kibbutz. The rainy days are like as great as the day of the ingathering of the exiles. Hashem should bring back our uh, exiles like Afikim, like the like the rivers in the Negev. Afikim refers to rain. They saw the uh, I guess the rivers of the sea. If I'm not mistaken, we were talking. Uh, Rabini tells a story. You'll hear it one time this year. But he tells a story about being down in the Negev, like down by, or down in the desert, you know, by Engedi, whatever it was. And he was in the army, and like you have these flash floods sometimes. And I think he said that's like Afikim by Negev. Sometimes you have like these uh, streams that come, you know, from the rainwater into the hills. It comes all the way down. And sometimes you have these uh, things. So that's Afikim by Negev. So this is the second word. Gayasot. Gayasot means troops. Like the, you know, the word for a draft is a geus, right? So it's from the same word, right? Guys, so it's troops, post, that even the troops stop on rainy days. Shemar just says, Talameha rave nachat gidudeha, that, they're, uh, that uh, their furrows are, um, are, are full, and nachat gidudeha, uh, like the edges are put down. Here the word gidudeha, it's, here's referring to like, Irrigation ditches and things like that, but the word gedud can also mean like a company of uh, of uh, soldiers. So that's the implication here that the gedudim are nachat. They're like put down when it's raining. The troops don't move, so that's uh, it's a great thing, right? They don't have any attacks. That the rain stopped because of posei staka birabim. They're people who um, pledge staka in public. but don't give staka, right? So someone that say like you know. Pledges on uh, Yom Tov, I'll give you know a hundred thousand dollars to the shul, or like make it more realistic, a thousand dollars to the shul. But when it comes down to it, when Yom Tov is over, he never sends the check. So that's why the rain stops. Shneimazu says Nisiim Beravach Averuach Vageshem. There is clouds and wind, and uh, I'm sorry, Beruach. There's clouds and wind. Veruach Ayin. I'm sorry, Vageshem Ayin, and there's no rain. Okay, and then Pesach says, "Ish mi talel b'matat sheker." So why does that happen? Why is it that there's wind and clouds but no rain? Because a person is mi talel b'matat sheker. Sheker, a person sort of like bringing themselves up with gifts of lies. When right? you pledge and don't actually give, and we'll just do one more line. But I'm Rabbi Yochanan. My Jehti listening when it says aser to aser, and this is a landing we do from Parshat uh, Re'eh. We read aser to aser and lav yamim tovim like on Cholamoid. Aser to aser. A double master, what is this? Aser bishvil shatit asher, the drasha is. That gives master so you can become rich. A person who gives master, a person who gives charity, that's the way you become rich, ultimately. Um, you can take this in several ways. You want to take it more uh, in a literal way, that if you want to become rich, you do so by giving charity. That's like a siman Hashem Mohab, you become rich. You also maybe could take it in a more homiletic way and say, well, if you really want to be rich, meaning appreciative of what you have, uh, and that's really what richness is. So if you're giving ma'aser, if you're somebody who gives stakan on a regular basis, then in fact, you will appreciate much more what you have, and you will be richer for it. We'll stop there, Shkoch.